Welcome to the Seller Growth Podcast, sharing valuable tips and information in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon personalities in the industry to help you grow your business. Here is your host, Rob Stanley. Hey everyone, Rob Stanley here with the Seller Growth Podcast. And today I got Troy Johnston from Seller.Tools. Hey, Troy. Hey, Robbie. Good to be here. Yeah, so we are going to be talking about uh, common mistakes that a lot of Amazon FBA sellers make. And man, that list got to be long, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's, it's a tall task. We'll, we'll see if we can cover the, the big ones, at least. <laughs> yes, yes, that, that's definitely uh, it. So so speaking of, of some of the biggest you know, examples uh, or mistakes that people make, uh, why don't you start us off? What, what, is, what is the most common mistake that people do make? And Tell us what do you do to solve it or what solution should they be looking for? Yeah, I think for those that are, uh, especially new sellers, those that are coming online um, into the FBA space, they see the opportunity, they see the leverage, um, but sort of the thousand foot view of that where you can fall prey or, or make some mistakes is uh, sourcing a, a fairly commoditized product. You may run through processes that you've seen through courses or YouTube videos. Uh, but you have a non-differentiated product and then you run through strategies that are um, pretty commonplace that are that may not be uh, as sophisticated or you may not be able to point out and say, hey, this is what I'm truly doing different than my competition. And we sort of see this a lot as tool providers where we want to give sellers an edge, an advantage um, at the strategy level. But when you sort of take a step back and look at it, you can see why so many sellers can make this mistake, get frustrated, not see the uh, potential of FBA when you're sort of selling the same product or, or quite similar, a commoditized product, and then you're running the same or similar strategy. And so we see this sort of, it creates almost like a race to the bottom where um, there's nothing there that really emphasizes how you're effectively ranking for your products or capturing more reviews. So that's kind of the big elephant in the room. It kind of goes unspoken too. I mean, as I've you know looked at, at content and people covering this topic, it's sort of one of those things where you see the frustration, uh, but then if you reverse engineer how people get there, it is, um, yeah, really kind of following falling prey to a, now I think a, a, a pretty consistent, consistent path. Um, so that would be kind of the big, the macro, uh, you know, sort of challenge, mistake, uh, or opportunity, missed opportunity as much as a mistake as anything else. Uh, the other thing I see is you kind of get more specific into what's brought you to Amazon in the first place. That leverage component is uh, really investing heavily on ranking and reviews. And if, if you've seen me uh, speak on this topic or talk about some of the tactical things that we do even at Seller Tools, um, I, I just really beat that drum. You're on Amazon for a reason, to be able to send your products to a fulfillment center, to reach customers all over the world, two-day delivery at their doorstep. Um, you have the backing of Amazon, the support, the logistics, all of those pieces are there. But ultimately, uh, going through sort of that 80-20 analysis of, okay, now, now you're there, but why is it important? And what does Amazon reward is spending most of your days uh, and time on ranking and reviews. That's really disproportionately where you should be spending your time. And to my first point, you uh, you really want to have an exceptional product. So if that's the given, if you've done something different, if you've added unique value to your product, it is then that daily 
What am I doing to rank for my most important keywords? What am I doing to uh, automate getting reviews, to systematize getting reviews? Um, and, and obviously my bent is towards automation, but really I think, I think uh, you can also fall prey as a seller is what, what are you doing day in and day out? What is making up a majority of your time? And if it's not sort of gravitating towards those areas, uh, similarly, it's, it's as much of a missed opportunity as it is, I would, I would kind of term it a, uh, a mistake. Um, so those are, those are sort of the, I would say the macro. And then as you get more micro, um, and, and I'm a big believer, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I come from a project management background. Um, I, I really like to simplify things. I like to be able to have predictability, um, in the things I work on and in my businesses. And so that eye for automation and that, uh, that desire to systematize for me is, the, yes, ranking and reviews where I should spend a majority of my time, but if I can automate it, if I create a system with a predictable outcome, that then lends the scale. Uh, when you're then rolling out five, 10, 20, 100 products uh, across, a, across a wide variety of brands to really uh, substantiate your footprint on Amazon. So those are some things that we see. And then, you know, there, there are more practical, timely things uh, and missed opportunities as well as mistakes of, uh, of really that, defining what you're doing differently. That's one of the questions I like to ask sellers of point out what you're doing differently. And if, if it's not instant, that needs to be an emphasis. That needs to be a priority in your business because uh, as you can imagine, commoditized space, lacks of points of difference, you're leaving your success to chance and you're sort of missing out on all that upside, all the opportunity that Amazon FBA provides us as sellers. Yeah, no, that's that's great information, Troy. So once again, I got Troy Johnston from Seller.Tools on with me, and we're talking about common mistakes that sellers make, and uh, really appreciate you being on, uh, Troy. We got lots more to go. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We do appreciate it. Uh, hit that uh, like button. Hit that subscribe if you're on YouTube. Uh, we definitely would uh, appreciate it. Uh, things have been going great with this new podcast. We got lots of great guests on, including Troy. So Troy, let's let's get down into this a little more. And I heard you mention this a few times. So let's take like a seller that's been maybe selling for a little less than a year. Then you got sellers that have been selling, you know, three, four years. They're doing amazing. Get granular or get specific on what is the one thing that you see that separates those two? What is one thing you could point at and say, this is what separates them. This is what the big seller is doing different. So maybe those sellers could try to get to that level or start doing it now, I guess, is, is what, what is the item that they could do now that is something that they probably wouldn't have learned for three or four years? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think what I see often is more of a, a dabbling approach with those that are uh, maybe at the intermediate or lower level, maybe have only been selling a year versus those that I'm seeing at the five, six, seven uh, years in FBA is that they are going deep in areas of high impact. And so this is a big reason why we gravitated to uh, platforms like ManyChat, uh, automating the activities there is still taking that 80-20. What is, what is it that we can uh, benefit by using these channels? It's ranking and reviews. And we use uh, ManyChat, it's just essentially a vehicle, it's a tool to then help us realize that. And then with those, you know, with those sellers that maybe aren't realizing their potential, you know, they may be still doing well. 
there tends to be more surface level, sort of sort of more um, superficial, I would say, activity that's taking place. Where even if they're using uh, as a as a recent example, you know, the other side of the U.S. elections and uh, Facebook being quite volatile and uh, you know messenger tags. Those that are in this space know quite well. It's been very um, very uncertain, and we've sort of seen this major divide. It's sort of a T in the road where those that were dabbling have almost stopped all their activity. And those that are invested heavily have that sophistication, have those systems. They have backup Facebook pages ready. They have a, a, a plan B because they've invested so heavily. And I, I, I see that being, um, being a pretty clear example that, that we're working with right now and with our own brands where we're doubling and tripling down on this thing that has a, had a little bit of a blowback because there was uh, there was uncertainty and how, what messenger policies were put in place and what tag application made sense. And we had EU changes alongside an iOS 14 change. There was a lot of change. And what I noticed is there was a steady hand with those that have been around and committed more heavily because they were invested in it. And the dabblers, it, they, they were far more, I would say, fickle and willing to kind of say, okay, I'm going to taper that off. But then I also noticed they didn't have very clear alternatives because everything was sort of surface level. There wasn't that true investment of time, resources, energy. And again, I think that brings back to the point of what are you doing day in and day out or having your team do day in and day out? Because that implies investment. That sort of uh, speaks to the idea of you're going deep and not wide. And I think, again, at the macro level, that's that's a huge, huge challenge. Great product, ranking, reviews, if you get that part right, you can literally be in the top 20, 10% on Amazon. And we just see, even over time, as FBA, that you know, the, the time in which um, FBA really is a, has a proof of concept, we know how viable and how much leverage it provides. Um, it really just reinforces, if you can focus on the select but powerful few, you, know, you, can really, you can really cut through in almost any category. We're getting back into hyper-competitive categories um, right now with some of our new brands only because we know our competitive advantage. They, they may still even be commoditized products. I'm kind of even guilty of that, of quite similar products. But because we have the optimization know-how, we have our mini chat you know, strategies dialed in, we have the automation in place for ranking and reviews, we can enter into those spaces confidently because we're going deep. We're not, we're not, we're not testing a lot of things out. We're going deep in one area and exploiting that competitive advantage. Nice. Nice. That that's awesome and and great information. Again, I mean, Troy's just hitting out of the park here, and that's why I wanted him on. So hey, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, you know, stay on. We got lots of great information. Uh, hit you know, post those questions. Troy and I will be answering the questions as we go, and we're more than happy to uh, you know put them up on the screen, take a look at them, and try to get you information as we're talking about you know some of this great info to help out Amazon sellers. So Troy, I was going to ask you kind of a more general question, but I think I'm going to, I was going to ask you just like things have changed over the last several years, but I want to get a little more specific. Let's go. What things have changed over the last, I don't know, two or three years that maybe have affected some of these newer sellers that are trying to get on board, start selling, and then how can they overcome those? Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting, especially to hear in the short term as, 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 E-commerce has absolutely blown up and, and Amazon has sort of had to respond to it in terms of being able to just logistically support that influx of growth. I mean, that shows up in terms of ASIN limits, um, new steps that you have to complete, the emphasis on brand registry. Um, so I think 
in the more recent uh, period of time, I think it's, for me, it's emphasized for those sellers um, really marinating more in some of the Amazon uh, changes that we see. Because I think there's always that inclination of, okay, we see the larger e-com growth, uh, the potential of, you know, scaling your Shopify site, running social media, um, moving to additional channels. And I think what the evolution that, that Amazon has sort of welcomed over this time is that they have added more resources, uh, some more data. You've got brand analytics data that's immensely insightful, demographic data, uh, keyword insights. So they're extending more value to you while also um, creating a few more hurdles, which again, as a seller, it's very easy to kind of gripe about some of those things. But that barrier to entry um, is, is also good for a little bit of insulation too. So I think that trend will continue as we see, you know, Amazon extending more resources and tools uh, to sellers. But the emphasis will really be, can you win this channel? Um, because as, as a philosophy, I'm a big believer, even on your own website, of your success, the demand that you've created for your product and brand spilling over into those other channels instead of just saying, hey, I need to quickly be on Walmart to have a footprint there without the sophistication and know-how of, okay, what does it, what does Walmart reward? Uh, you know, what is its 80-20? Um, and so I think we will continue to see that. And it's been, like I said, really, really emphasized. And then, you know, the, the diversification, PPC, Amazon PPC has become, you know, every month we're learning something new, new report, new ad type. It is just, it's sort of requiring uh, if that's your area of, of depth, where your sophistication lies and your competitive advantage is, you really, for the most part, these small and agile teams um, don't have the bandwidth to be able to take full advantage of it without that investment. So I think that trend will continue, um, but it's good. It's it's good for those sellers that that take advantage. That's what we do, again, in our own business is we, we are always looking at brand analytics. We're still looking at tried and true metrics, you know, sessions, conversions. But when we dial in at that keyword level, we get some of the demographic data that informs our audiences, some of our paid advertising. Um, it just really bolsters what you can do on the platform. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's good too. And you know what, I, I wanna talk a little more about PPC, but before I do, hey, thanks everybody for joining us. Hit that like and subscribe, we do appreciate it. And a quick uh, shout out to everybody. If you're interested, Akrumi is holding a free a summit so go to summit.com, sign up for a free summit. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to get Troy on there, but uh, if we do another one later in the year, we'll make sure Troy's a guest on there because he's got some great information. So uh, February 11th, uh, summit.com. Take a look at uh, and sign up for the uh, free summit. So Troy, let, let's talk about PPC then. Um, how many times... <laughs> Do they hit that automated PPC button and just start automating it instead of actually spending some time to go in depth, look for the keywords and try to focus down? And, uh, you know, what's your advice on that? Yeah, no, it's it's a great point. And I, we get that question a lot in terms of, you know, do we re refer people to a PPC agency or, you know, hands off or, or those that are doing it uh, themselves? What's the right approach? Uh, to being able to manage your PPC. Um, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm very, uh, very bullish on the use of tools, but really understanding the strategy first and foremost, viewing it from the top down of what type of activities make sense uh, 
uh, again, with that mind and that eye towards systematizing it, because as you start selling your product, we see sellers do this time and time again, where they do one-time keyword research, one-time optimization, and then their PPC may lack strategy for a content, you know, for six months, a year, uh, multiple years down the road where it's a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, so I think first addressing it at the strategy level, understanding some of the uh, foundational pieces, um, and I'm a big believer in search term isolation, pull out your winners, run some discovery through broad and phrase, uh, negative match those. Um, but that assumes that you're constantly harvesting keywords, optimizing bids, and then nixing those uh, negative matching any, any, big, um, any big losers there as well. So really starting from the strategy level, and my bent, even when you're using tools, uh, not necessarily automating. I know that this is an interesting period uh, for PPC with with machine, <clears throat> excuse me, machine learning, AI, uh, a lot of the technical pieces that are coming online, and I think getting a lot of the excitement. Um, but I'm a bigger bigger believer in sort of bulk activities where there is a human element that's checking and confirming. Um, for, for, for really for two reasons, right? It's the insight that you can gather from the types of keywords that you're harvesting, um, and the types of adjustments that you're making. Um, but then also to, you know, it, it gives you, it, it still gives you the, uh, bulk of the benefit of automation of if it gets you 80% there, and then you just are a few clicks away. Um, that way you're not, uh, you're not missing out on that insight or what's taking place in your business to where, Hey, you could be harvesting exceptional cures through your PPC, isolating them for uh, the pay to play aspects, but they could be missing altogether in your organic optimization, or if you're running variations, a missed opportunity to, to plug in some keywords there. So um, I think viewing it from the top down, approaching it strategically. And then again, I like bulk automation. It, it could continue to evolve. We could see technical solutions sort of uh, really substantiate themselves. But it's, it's funny, Robert, you may have seen this too. I've seen people that have absolutely loved automation and then have had the absolute worst time. And it's like, they, it ruined my product, my account, like, you know, it squandered everything. Um, but I think that speaks to regress to the middle, you know, make sure you understand what you're doing from a strategy uh, level. And then ideally, if you can bulk it so you're not spending hours, that's that's ideal. Yeah, I, th I think it's one of those things that, you know, if you just got on Amazon, you're, you're better off turning it on automated than not having it at all, you know, yeah. but then eventually loop back around to it and learn about keywords and how they work and get rid of the ones that aren't working, look for long tail keywords, that type of thing. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's better to have it than not, but uh, be careful because it can blow that budget pretty quick as we right. see a lot. So, uh, yeah. again, I appreciate everybody jumping on. We got a great following right now on a uh, YouTube channel. Thank you so much, everybody. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. And, and speaking of that, I mean, this is only the fifth podcast I've done. We've got like over a thousand views on YouTube right now. We have lots of great information going back uh, the last four weeks. Be sure to go check out those other videos and download us on uh, the Apple podcast, Seller Growth podcast. We really would appreciate it. So we got more to go and uh, be sure to post those questions and, uh, you know, we'll get to them. So what about speaking of YouTube? <laughs> Let's dive into that a smidge. So there, there is a lot of information about selling, uh, selling advice for sellers on Amazon on YouTube. What, what can they kind of do to, you know, cut through some of that? Because I've noticed like some of the videos that popped up, Troy, they're like old and that information is old. And, and if somebody goes and watches that video, 
they could be watching old information. So kind of what's your advice on, you know, some of these sellers are trying to get started. They're trying to get the information. Maybe they don't have the budget to quite go out and pay for courses and things like that. What do you kind of advise on that? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's one of those things where if I, if I play back, you know, if, if hard reset and I'm starting to sell now and I'm, I'm doing a lot of this information gathering is I'm inundated by the content. Um, some of that old content can slip through. So I'm getting old strategies and maybe old information and things that may not even apply anymore on Amazon. So I think that's really tricky. The, the positive uh, for, um, I think, those getting into the space now is that there are people like you, Robbie, who have sold for a long period of time, have built up this experience that have platforms that you can literally say, as a seller, my experience, you know, my results, and uh, convey that expertise. So I think really gravitating towards the people that have, have actively sold. Um, the one sort of caveat that I would give to that, um, and I, I see this as well, is that Sometimes it's it's really fun to, to go to YouTube channels and consume content for people kind of starting their journey. And so you can sort of see some of their missteps. And because it's it's their journey, it's their story, it's very compelling. Uh, but you can kind of fall prey to um, sort of a missed opportunity in terms of an investment of your time of just really gravitating towards these true subject matter experts that have been through and seen so much. I mean, five years in this FBA space, it's like a lifetime. You have seen so much change, so much volatility, uh, so much evolution in terms of e-commerce and Amazon specifically. Uh, so I think really just finding who you who resonates with you when you seek out that content and make sure that they have sold. Uh, we see this again a lot um, where there, there may be nuggets of value that you have to seek out and expend that time, effort, and energy uh, through other sources. But there's nothing like having somebody who's had their listing take down, their account taken down, has seen all of these changes, can speak to them. And uh, it really is one of those things where when you cut your teeth in this space, um, you know how on top of things you have to be. You're uh, more adaptive to that change. You can communicate it. And that content tends to be a little bit more uh, relevant and evergreen. So. I think that's the that's the the benefit of there now being a little bit more time. We've got a few more really great examples of sellers that have done some exceptional things, and they're still out there sharing sharing their message. And you know, I try to get my team to do it too. A bunch of you know really smart people, uh, seven and eight figures of, of profit that they've generated, and it's like the more content that they can get out there, that's better uh, because it will help cut through the noise and the challenges that I think a lot of new sellers do run into. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, not we're not going to name names, but l let's put it this way. If I'm watching the video and the first thing is somebody in front of a house with a uh, Lamborghini talking about how much they made, not the right video for you. Let's move on. Again, we're not going to say names. We're not diving into that on this, but uh, move on. <laughs> there, there is, unfortunately, there is some out there that kind of uh, hurt the industry slightly for the people that are, are good and that are out there trying to help. There are some amazing Facebook groups. There are some amazing YouTube uh, people or Amazon. Uh, I don't. Want, I don't call them influencers anymore, but Amazon helpers or people out there that want to help you and and find you know seek them out and uh, look at their new information. So I'll give you a great example. Uh, Troy and I did a video. Gosh, it was probably over a year ago, Troy, and we we talked about like a flow using Manichat. If you go watch that right now, which I don't advise you to, that's old. That mm -hmm. information is old. Things have changed. So, you know, speaking of Manchat, you talked about a little bit earlier, um, and then this could be a little more high level. So if you are uh, kind of a beginner, 
This could be a little more on the high level for you. Walk me a little bit through that sort of flow that we did about a year ago and how it's changed uh, using ManyChat, using Facebook, and how maybe some of these uh, beginning sellers could avoid some certain mistakes by using that system. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm trying to remember too. Um, the oh, it's flow, been a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> time has flown by. Um, yeah, and I think I think the strategy that we were utilizing at that time was a Facebook ad that we were driving to a ManyChat flow and I believe we had, uh, man, I'm trying to remember, where we took the customer through to, um, oh man, I, I'm forgetting, Rob. <laughs> I, think, I think it was something to do with uh, either like how to get them to do warranties or uh, how to get them, I mean, I can't remember exactly, but I know we were trying to interact with them again. And I know rules have changed with Facebook as far as engagement, so maybe, uh, talk a little bit about that, uh, you know, how rules have changed with, with how you can engage them, when you can engage them. Yep. No, those are great points. And in a year, we have seen a ton of change um, to where uh, the 24-hour rule has been substantiated, where you cannot re-engage uh, with a customer beyond that 24-hour period. Uh, it's actually a messenger policy, which ManyChat uh, utilizes uh, Messenger for their platform. Uh, we've seen the addition of one-time notifications, which are a great way of if a customer then opts in to receive a one-time notification, it sort of creates that exception uh, within Messenger where you can follow back up with them. Uh, the beauty, and, and this is uh, also to ManyChat's credit, so with all of these things sort of going on, is that they had pivoted to be more uh, multi-channel in terms of the marketing. So you can still send text messages to your customers, you can still send emails to your customers, or you can stay within Messenger. And so uh, in that time, with these changes that we've seen, uh, that um, those tools and uh, those communication channels have been really more of what we've utilized. So if we were to do a reset now, Robbie, too, of that same strategy, I would think, okay, I love text messaging. I love the 90 plus percent open rates um, that that customers uh, uh, customers that are interested in your product or offer um, will, uh, you'll likely see that those types of performance metrics. So I would tie it into the strategy, but obviously text, you don't wanna, you don't wanna abuse too much. Um, you don't wanna be inundated by text, but if it's a product you're interested in offer that excites you, you're more willing to act and take part in. Um, it opens up that communication channel, removes the 24-hour limitation, removes needing a one-time notification. And then, of course, you have a little bit more confidence in terms of who you're talking to. We don't, as um, as people, we rarely change our phone numbers, usually things we have for five, 10, multiple decades, uh, potentially. So it's a great way of thinking about, and we've had to kind of deal with some of these changes where uh, maybe those older strategies uh, can stay in the past. Uh, but now, um, a lot of tools, and we do the same thing at Solar Tools, is kind of see, okay, what is the outlay? What has changed out there? We still know that this is immensely effective. We can own the customer journey, so we start thinking about different ranking factors that we can own, uh, the ease with which we can request reviews, the ease with which we can build our list and then communicate with them, uh, those customers, anywhere else that we would like or can engage with them. Um, but it is... Uh, it changes. It changes a lot. And that's that's where I mentioned too, that volatility. We've just sort of seen a T in the road where some people have given up on Minichat and others have sort of doubled and tripled down because that that slowdown sh can show up in their category, it can show up in their, you know, with their competitors where all of a sudden they may not be consistently ranking for keywords or automating the review requests, uh, but you're doing the polar opposite. And so it really lends to, a, to an opportunity at the end of the day.
Yeah. How many of the sellers you're dealing with right now with, I mean, with everything that happened last year with COVID and all that stuff, how many are you seeing that are transferring over? Not, I'm sorry, they're adding is probably the right word, adding FBM uh, or 3PL type uh, to their portfolio. You know, they're not just doing strictly FBA anymore. And uh, what kind of advice would you give on, uh, you know, is that something that maybe a newer seller should look at when they're first starting or is it something they should wait to look at a little bit later? Yeah, that's it's a great question. Great question. I would say Q3 of last year, we saw sort of uh, the peak interest in uh, finding a solid FBM solution. Um, and we tied in with, with partners and tried to kind of connect sellers with the appropriate solutions. Um, but it is a really viable option. It is at the very least a really great safety net. But then, excuse me, in terms of your products and logistics um, and, and maybe where things are going for your business, it can be a true mainstay. It's never a bad idea if you have the capital uh, and the inventory to have some amount of FBM in, uh, FBA inventory, FBM inventory on hand, um, but not absolutely essential. I think it was an interesting reminder when everybody sort of had to go through that scramble and we're running into issues and had the good fortune of having so much sales velocity, units moving, um, but needing that that FBM solution. So I think for most sellers, as kind of a general rule of thumb, is that if you have um, if you have effectively the resources, you can bolt that on into the early stages. But it's it's really not uh, I would say not essential right now. So so sort of knock on wood. There's no other uh, pandemics that creep up or uh, major major logistic constraints that we see. Uh, from an Amazon side of things, um, but there can be, you know, product and category nuances too. If we, we know people that have oversized products, you know, their fulfillment is a bit more nuanced, um, and so they like to have the FBM component. And so, really thinking through your product, uh, what resources you have available, um, and then the, the the third and the X factor is really external variables uh, and how that plays into the equation. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's throw this question out. So again, I got Troy Johnson from seller.tools on right now. And thank you again, Troy, for being on. We're talking about common uh, common mistakes or, or issues that people run into when they're first getting started selling on Amazon. We got a lot of people listening and, and viewing us right now. Feel free to put up your questions. I mean, uh, Troy's more than welcome to uh, or more than happy to answer it for you. Uh, and if it's something that I can answer, I will too. Uh, but while Troy goes through, because I, I do want to give him a little bit of a chance here to talk about uh, seller.tools, why we are, post those questions up and keep listening. He's got lots of great information. Troy, I got to ask the common question everybody does. What sets seller.tools apart from everybody else? Come on. <laughs> I get asked it all the time with a crew me. So I yeah, no. the, <laughs> the million dollar question, right? Um, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a great one. And uh, I'm always glad to, to answer it. Uh, really, what we do and do differently at Seller.Tools is we are what I would consider a growth platform. So we are, uh, when you're selling on Amazon, what are you doing to grow your business? And you can see um, from some of my prior points, when we talk about ranking and reviews, uh, we sort of built tools around that. As how are you uh, predictably and reliably uh, getting on page one for your most important keywords? And then how are you automating uh, capturing more Amazon reviews. If we get that right through our feature set, we can give our sellers, our users a disproportionate advantage. Um, and that's, that's truly what we, what we aim to do and really where things are going with us. A lot of people do find us when they're looking at many chat strategies, uh, more advanced, uh, type of features, but the, the 
aim towards the growth, what you sort of should be doing day in and day out. Um, we want to offer up the tools that really complement that and help you uh, help you scale at the end of the day. We do have a few optimization pieces. We do keyword research, we do keyword management, listing optimization, competitive analysis. So some of the foundational optimization pieces, we do that well. We have a, a lot of exclusive features you can only get through uh, through us. We fold in brand analytics. We, we kind of approach keyword research uniquely. Um, but where I like to, uh, the way I like to sort of describe it is we're, we're a growth platform. We are, how do you grow on Amazon? Um, we can give you a disproportionate advantage. And it's the tools we use as ourselves. Uh, again, our, our team has generated, uh, I think I did the math, about 18, uh, between 18, $20 million in profit on Amazon. We've done pretty well. And these are the tools we use ourselves. It's truly was bore out of what tools do we want and need? What do we want to use in our own brands? What can we reliably and, con and consistently use in our own brands? Um, and that's been the vision and, and the ongoing vision of what we do at Solo Tools. Yeah. What about, uh, you know, what other tools and resources uh, besides Seller.Tools does Amazon make available to sellers? You know, let's maybe touch on that too, on what's, you know, what kind of things are out there for them to take advantage of? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I like a lot of the uh, the tried and true. Um, I, I saw a post the other day in a Facebook group and I was really surprised to see the response when somebody was evaluating their sessions and conversions. And I was thinking, well, are really that many sellers not tapping into this readily available, seemingly simple data to inform what the traffic flow looks like, how you're converting on it, um, because that that informs. Uh, I mean, that that is digital marketing one on one, traffic and conversions, right? Um, and knowing that at the ASIN level can inform what you've done with organic optimization, but th then also any other strategies that you're running too. Now you take that, and then you also run some of your PPC reports. And you also see then how you perform at the keyword level. So we've got ASIN level performance. We have keyword level. Now, mind you, it's pay to play, but keyword level insights. And we start to really paint a picture of what the customer uh, journey and the interaction uh, or lack of interaction is for your products on Amazon. Remember, your customer can not interact with your product in any way, shape or form. Your detail page is uh, often the only point of contact, uh, save maybe a, a, a you know, a PPC, an ad, a sponsored ad that you're displaying, your detail page is the lone piece of real estate. So getting those fundamentals and basics right is really important. And then as you sort of move up and look at the things that they're adding to Seller Central, uh, we love brand analytics, knowing then at the keyword level, who's getting the clicks, who's converting on those clicks at what scale month to month. Um, approximately, I think it's about a million and a half on average keywords that you can look at, which should cover almost any category. It covers a wide swath of categories. Um, but that then can inform more of those, more of those keyword level insights. So many of these things aren't necessarily, uh, new, um, but I don't think I'm seeing the depth necessarily that sellers can take that of, of knowing, okay, am I getting the right amount of traffic? You, you sort of have these, this decision tree where am I getting a not right enough amount of traffic. If it's no, prioritize that. If it's yes, okay, then conversions. Am I getting enough conversions? Yes, no, okay. And then you know, then then you can look at do I need to alter my optimization strategy? Then you run your PPC reports, see what you're how you're doing at the at the keyword level, and that can tie in. It can kind of create a nice flywheel into the same decisions that you make through through the data that you review. So um, I would almost say get those foundational pieces right. And then you can kind of explore more where they have more keyword insights and there's listing optimization pieces. I'm not huge on those from Amazon and Solar Central necessarily. Uh, we like the suggested data. 
We like the we like the uh, PPC ad reports and those types of things. Um, but getting that foundation right could be can in and of itself could be a game changer. Yeah. Okay. We we're cover we covered a lot, and there's obviously a lot we could cover. I mean, the topic we're talking about is so wide open. I mean, we could probably go on for a few hours, but Troy, I'm sure there's at least one or two topics I missed. Uh, what else did I miss that we should cover when it comes to uh, how to fix you know, common problems with Amazon FBA or common Amazon FBA mistakes? I'm sure there's one I missed in there that, you, uh, that you're <laughs> thinking about. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, think, I think I know we, we covered at the macro level. I think that's the, the important thing, the, 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 the mistake as much of a, I, I'm careful with words of thinking of it maybe as an opportunity is really defining your competitive advantage. Um, I think it's really tricky. You know, as a, as a seller, I have unique perspective. And when I was a consultant, it gave me a unique perspective. And now as a, uh, as a tool provider, the struggles of sellers are not, it's not um, insurmountable. It's truly just sort of taking a step back, kind of disassociating from being so in your business and seeing, okay, I'm really getting frustrated with this product because I'm realizing I'm not doing anything different. And even the value add, the incremental value add through packaging, through little samples, through inserts, through eBooks, through, through any other way that you can kind of elevate that buying experience, that, is, uh, that, that makes a difference. Incremental value still matters at the end of the day. Um, and then the other piece of that is once you get this great product to Amazon with all the leverage in the world for you to take advantage of is, is having a clear path for reliably ranking your products. Uh, that lack of predictability in an FBA business will make you anxious and tired and lose sleep and you'll be frustrated. Like, what do these people know? You know, what's this game that's being played around me? It's just folks that are really delving deep into that predictability um, and then and then systematizing it from there. So um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer, Robbie, you can already tell, I'm, I'm a big believer in getting the foundation so set to where it lets you sort of uh, expend those resources in a calculated fashion, but then go go deep, be, be willing to become an expert too. This is another opportunity of, um, I know it's it feels safe to sort of say, I, I know these eight or 10 things pretty well, um, but it's scary to, to dedicate to two things and say, I'm an expert. I may be the absolute best, um, but your results are always indicative of those types of inputs of really being willing, I think, to, uh, to go deep in some of these areas, whether that's mini chat, whether that's PPC, whether it's uh, influencer marketing, you know, there are these very clear examples that these folks that are uh, sellers themselves immensely successful that are sharing through their content where we're sort of gravitating towards these strategies. And in many ways, it's sort of like pick one and go. It's, uh, you know, don't, don't overcomplicate it. Uh, don't overanalyze it. There's something to letting somebody already in the space give you the proof of concept. And it's really, I think, to sellers to say, okay, I'm going to take this. I'm going to run with it. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, it, I got Troy Johnson from Seller.Tools. Thank you so much for being on the e on, on the uh, Seller Growth Podcast. I almost said the old podcast name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's what happens when you're live. So, anyways. <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening in. We do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, be sure to go check out seller.tools. It's super simple. Uh, keep an eye out for Troy. He's always on some video or podcast or something, giving out great information. And uh, once again, if you're looking for funding for your Amazon, uh, for your Amazon company or Amazon seller funding, check out accrueme.com. 
Uh, Rob Stanley. And thanks again, Troy, for being on the uh, podcast with me. Thanks for joining us this week on the Seller Growth Podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, AccruMe. If you are an Amazon seller looking for funding, be sure to visit AccruMe.com and fill out the three-minute instant funding form. Join us next week for more great tips to help you grow your business.